Welcome to the daily VFN Radio Highlights, where we're keeping the conversation light at VFNTV.com. Enjoy. Today, we have Lance Walnew driving at home the Seven Mountain Mandate. That's what VFN Kingdom Business is all about. This is what we're doing, seven spheres of culture. Whoever is the one on top of these mountains or have an influence in this mountain is the one that determines the nature and the direction of a nation. Let's, jam- let's join Lance Walnew now. When uh, Saul was called to go uh, by Samuel and was told to go save Israel from the hand of the Philistines, Saul, anointed by Samuel, had an assignment. You know what Saul's assignment was? His assignment was to be anointed commander over the Lord's inheritance to save my people from the hand of the Philistines. The anointing is on you to command, and the command is on you for the assignment. And the assignment God has is for you to deal with the darkness. For this reason, the Son of God was made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. You've got to go where the devil's working to destroy it. So the first thing that, uh, that, that I'm realizing is we got, let's just put a couple of hills here. We've got all kinds of hills in Israel that, that are there. But Saul is told that he is going to go to the hill of God. You can read it, but I'm just going to cover these fast and you guys can look them up later. First Samuel, the hill of God, whereon is a garrison of the Philistines. This fascinates me. It's God's hill with a stronghold occupying the top of it, filled with Philistines. Think about this. Saul is called and anointed. You know, we probably should look at this verse and figure if I'm going to preach on it, we should find it. All right, you got your Bible with him? Got your smartphone with you? It's always uh, mischievous when people have smartphones. I don't know if they're texting, reading emails, or actually following along with me. I tell my people, I like to see the old book out every now and then, if you don't mind. I don't want to hear, you've got mail coming in in the middle of a sermon. So look at this, 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 16. Samuel's told this. Tomorrow, about this time, don't you love it when you're walking in the flow of a prophetic appointment? I'm telling you, I'm supposed to be here right now talking to you, and I'm supposed to challenge you to realize that what God's about to do next is totally out of proportion to anything he's done in your past. And there's a whole lot of people living in the contradiction of Joseph's imprisonment with personal problems, sins they don't want to put their hand up and talk about. And it's all part of the testing to prepare you for your own promotion and jailbreak. And can you think of anything more dysfunctional than Joseph succeeding in getting out of prison? Suppose he succeeded. Suppose he got the butler to get him out of prison. The butler goes to Pharaoh. Hey, you got a nice Jewish guy. He shouldn't even be here. Oh, go and get him out. Get him out. He goes home. Now he goes home. What's he going home to? A wonderful family reunion. This is more dysfunctional than anything Dr. Phil or Jerry Springer ever had on TV. <laughs> hey, I'm home. The father goes, who are you? Hey, it's me, Dad. You, I thought you were dead. Oh, he looks at the brothers. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, wonderful unity is going to be in the house. <laughs> what are we having for dinner? I don't know. There's a famine. <laughs> oh, that's great. We got a dysfunctional family fighting with each other. The dad bitter with the sons. The sons hating the kid and no nothing to eat. For how long? Seven years. How come? Because Joseph figured out how to get out of prison. That's why God doesn't answer your prayer. Because you'd settle for something less than he planned. 
So anyway, we got this situation here. I want you to see this. It's very important you get this. Because tomorrow about this time, tomorrow, which means that tomorrow, sooner or later you run into tomorrow. Does that occur to you? <laughs> Prophetically, as I'm getting older, I'm finding out that today was the tomorrow I heard about yesterday. Tomorrow about this time, I'll send you a man from the land of Benjamin. When God's about to move, what does he send? Send a revival. No, he sends a person carrying a revival. Think about this. God doesn't send deliverance. He sends a deliverer. I send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander. How many would love to have more anointing? Here's the secret. you got to find out what your assignment is. Because the anointing is on you for an assignment. It's not upon you to have more intimacy with Christ. We think that the main purpose of God is to increase His presence in our life. It's not. Quite frankly, you want to increase His presence, die. <laughs> you shall anoint Him commander over my people Israel. Why? That He can save my people from, that's what one six-year-old was writing to me, from the hand of the Finkelsteins. It's the Philistines. In other words, Saul is anointed to deal with the problem. Here's the amazing thing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to heal the sick, to, to you know, cast out devils, to raise the dead, to open the eyes of the blind. That's the job description Jesus had. I want to suggest to you something. Your job description is not to be the Messiah. Every one of us has gifts according to our function. If I'm in a corporate boardroom, the first time the anointing hit me in corporate, in a Fortune 100 company, Fortune 500 company, and I have the prophetic anointing, and I'm trying to get out of there to go to plant a church, and I'm wondering, why does God got me stuck in Babylon? Here's what happens. I am getting words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and a spirit of prophecy in a boardroom with a guy who was the former vice president of Hess Oil Company. It's like we're all sitting there with all these basically unsaved you know, heathen business people in the corporation, the, the dark corridors of this company, and the anointing's on me. And here's what I'm, I'm feeling, a prophetic anointing. And I'm getting up to give a presentation like Joseph on what the company needs to do to prosper in the future. And I'm, I'm conflicted because I'm feeling the anointing. And when we had the anointing, where I grew up, we had a kind of, in the old latter rain days, we had a, there was a little bit of, there was a particular style of prophetic. And I was groomed under a lot of guys that loved King James. And yeah, the Lord would say. But it was a command in it. There's a sense of dignity and regality and rhythm. And yeah, the Lord would say, even today, this day, I am moving in the midst of you. And I spoke and prophesied and fought in King James. I was, we were reading King James. And I got up in that boardroom. And I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could feel it. I thought... Yeah, uh, the Lord would say, just say it the Lord. No, I, I don't know how that's going to go over. You think real fast in those moments. I said, hey, uh, I would recommend this. I thought, I don't know, Lord. I don't know. I'm just going to do the best I can to wing it here. And I go, just like interpreting the word of wisdom. This is what we need to do because this I'm talking beyond my own intelligence. I've got a plan. I built that company. Millions of dollars I made them. And when I got done, the vice president of the company, a bit like Darth Vader. <laughs> Everybody in his presence was like this, because they're always afraid they're going to get fired. And I'm, boom, the anointing is on me, and I'm prophesying out exactly what they have to do. He stood up, 
like it was the, uh, the, the crescendo of Handel's Messiah. And he goes, applaud, a standing ovation in a boardroom in corporate New York. All the other managers hit each other. They all got up and went like this out of nervousness. And I thought, what is going on? And the Lord was saying, the gift cluster of an evangelist is for overt demonstration. So all of you that are going to signs and wonder schools and healing signs, and you're trying to find somebody you can do healing signs, think of how much sugar now this really is. What if you're anointed like Daniel with a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, gifts of faith, prophecy, and he's interpreting tongues and interpretation, by the way. Many, many, that handwriting on the wall was a tongue, unknown tongue. He's interpreting tongues. All of his gifts were more discriminating because he was operating by supernatural inside information. He wasn't with a jawbone of an ass like Samson knocking out everybody in court. In other words, some of you are anointed for the elegant demonstration of the power of God from the inside out, not from the outside in. But with the metrics of revival is always some external something happening. They, they fell down. And, oh, they did this. And I got the healing. Oh, it's great. The healing's great. Don't get me wrong. The healing's great. But 93% of the body of Christ out there has a diversity of gifts. The problem is we haven't been showing people where the hill of God is and the garrison of the Philistine because he's on the top. The, the garrison of the Philistine is on top of the economy, media, art, education, and government. And if you're going to go in there like a Daniel or a Joseph as a dream interpreter, you can't go, yay, the Lord would say. It'll freak them out. <laughs> I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. I'll show you where the hill of God is because I never got there. But you see, God's anointed you for an assignment. The reason why a lot of Christians backslide, quite frankly, isn't because they're not in church enough. It's because they're bored when they leave church. You got to do something for fun. If you get involved with your assignment, you'll have fun. And you'll get paid. This is a whole new missionary mentality. In the old days, we'd be always shaking down people in the church who never have any money to support a world mission. In the new paradigm, we make the devil fund the mission project. How do you do that? You go into Babylon and you charge Nebuchadnezzar to be a consultant. I thought it was illegal. I didn't even know if it's appropriate. If it's like being sportsmanlike. Well, I don't know. These gifts surprise me. I feel like I'm kind of cheating here. No, you're supposed to do that. Work with the supernatural. Joseph was doing dream interpretation for scenario planning in an economic forecast for a government. So if you're sitting there going to somebody's dream interpretation school and you're trying to set up shop, walking around every charismatic event, trying to give a business card out to get somebody to pay you to interpret their dream, you're broke. What you need to do is stop slapping Jesus bumper stickers all over your business cards. I mean, I'll never forget. I, I, listen, I'm only saying these things because I've done all these goofy things. I'll never forget, China Petrol, I'm working with a guy from C.B. Richard Ellis, vice president of C.B. Richard Ellis, largest you know, billion-dollar real estate company. Friend of mine, I was coaching him, executive coach. And I, of course, am getting a hold of these, these, these business propositions and putting together some deals for friends of mine. So anyway, I said, these guys come up to me, and he's, he's got this idea in California 
for the electric car, electric battery, because it's what they use in the space shuttle. Imagine this. You can compress, you know, a whole city block worth of energy into these little batteries now. It's because that's the space shuttle technology developed. Anyway, so he's a Jewish guy, and he wants everybody to know about it. And oddly enough, the biggest market he's got is in China, and they want to use the electric battery for the buses, and he's got the bus business, but the board of directors brings me in because they want him to change the name of the company because he's a Messianic Jew, and the name of the company is Jesus Loves You Batteries. I'm telling you, my life is like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> so I'm in a I'm meeting with these guys. I said, what's the problem? They say, well, you know, the boss over here, he's uh, the name of the company is Jesus. Not for nothing, Lance. Jesus loves you in China? I mean, this is our best market. And he insists. Why? Because in the morning, when those people turn on the lights, when they get the heat in the house, they got hot water. He wants them to think, Jesus loves you. He's explaining this to me. He wants this electricity. He wants the batteries to be able to supply whole cities with Jesus loves you energy. And everywhere they go, when they get electricity, Jesus loves you. Can you see a slight problem with this? I mean, honestly, why do you think Joseph shaved and changed his clothes and spoke like an Egyptian when he goes into Pharaoh's presence? Like I said earlier, why didn't they just go in there, forget about the dream and your economy, let's talk about circumcision, I'm a Jew. So anyway, so I'm praying in the spirit, because I'll tell you the truth, I'm not that smart. I really am not. I was, uh, I, I flunked out of high school, my father sent me to military school to graduate. And I never finished college. I went back and got a master's degree later, because they, I got my degree because um, when the anointing hit me and I started praying in tongues, I got a brain. But I've always been undisciplined and lazy, unless something interests me. If it interests me, I'm obsessive with it. It's like obsessive compulsive with what interests me. So I got my master's degree and did the doctoral stuff because they let me teach the class. I was too impatient to be a student. I said, the only way I'll get a degree is if I'm a professor. <laughs> okay. So I was a professor. Anyway, I digressed. What was I talking about a minute ago? Jesus loves your battery. So listen. So the Jesus loves your battery. Anyway, I'm praying in tongues because I have to come up with a solution. And here's my premise. You don't have to know what you're doing. You have to always act like you know what you're doing. <laughs> and the secret is, if you're showing up where God's assignment is, hand of the Philistines, right? If you show up where the assignment is, then God will show you how to take out the garrison. So... First Samuel chapter 10, I want to show you what this is. Verse 5, Saul, after the anointing comes upon you, you shall come to the hill of God where the garrison of the Philistines is. You see what a verse is? And so the Lord says, I know you want to preach and go into church and you want to be in the, in the revival meeting. I, I, why am I putting you in governments and business and academies at Harvard and the United Nations? And why are you in these unhospitable places where you can't even preach and whoa, prophesy properly? Because that's where the garrison of the Philistines is. And the spirit of David is on you so that you can, you can become a practitioner of dealing with the garrison. So I pray in tongues a lot because I found out as long as I'm in my assignment, I have access to supernatural gifts that God already gave me. 
I don't know what I'm doing, but I act like I know what I'm doing. So I always say, okay, I'll go. I'll help and see what I can do. Let's face it. Listen, if you're called as a healer, you don't have the ability to raise the dead or, or, or make, make tumors dissolve. You have to rely on the gifts. It's the same thing in any field, except we don't have enough of you out doing supernatural stuff in the workplace like you're supposed to. So you're bored and we're losing the battle. Anyway, so I'm sitting there praying in tongues. And so the owner of the company says, Lance, when they turn on that, when they park that car, I want them to think in China. Communist China. Jesus loves you. And the board members are looking at me desperately because they want me to convince the owner of the company to change the name of the company. So I said, JLY Technology. He goes, JLY. But it stands for Jesus loves you. I said, absolutely. The whole board says, absolutely. He said, all right, JLY. I can live with that, but it's Jesus loves you. Absolutely, it's Jesus loves you. We got Jesus loves you batteries over here. I got the other guy over here who calls me up. He's got this great windmill company. He wants to give me 5%. And then we're negotiating that. Ah, I'm going to help you. It's a company called, holy, it's a windmill company called Almighty Wind. <laughs> so, Jesus loves you batteries. I'm starting to think if we could put the batteries together with the windmill technology. All night long, you can generate power through the windmill that doesn't cost you a thing. You can load the batteries and sell it as electricity. You become the dominant economic force in the utility market, and you can literally take whole undeveloped castes and territories of land where there's no electricity, and you can create self-sustaining communities with the batteries, and the, and the it's a powerful idea. So I call my friend with C.V. Richard Ellis because China Petro might want to get involved with this, and they could put this deal together, and this could be very powerful. Anyway, so the problem is he wants to know the names of the companies. I said, well, that's JLY Technologies. He goes, what does it stand for? Is that the name of the owner? I go, well, it's Jesus loves you. Pause. I'm almost afraid to ask, what's the name of the windmill company? I said, well, it's obviously it's Jesus loves you batteries powered by almighty wind. <laughs> Further long, an awkward pause. He says, Lance, can't you come up with any normal business partners? He says, I got to go to New York. I got to sit there in an established institution, and I have to tell them that Almighty Wind and Jesus Loves You Batteries is our future. He said, Get, he said let me give you some advice. And tell your friends this. I have had the claw to get into a position at the top of the mountains, and that's how come I, I talked to someone like you as a coach. If you want to penetrate world systems, don't advertise prematurely what your agenda is because you have enough challenges without waving a red flag that makes people even twice as upset with where you're going. He said what you do is you establish your preeminence within a certain field and then you unveil your theology. I thought about that, and I thought, I don't know if that's really true, because I am not ashamed of the gospel. I mean, I've got verses for these things. I can back up every mistake I ever made with a Bible verse. So, I thought, but I started thinking about it. Joseph actually goes in with this Egyptian look, so much so that his own brothers didn't recognize who he was. But he was operating, and I thought covert is different than overt. And I realized that a large part of the reason why we have not succeeded is because, A, to make this thing very simple, is the fact that we haven't seen that the hill of God, that is God's hill, 
is in more than the location of the church. We all get that this, belo this belongs to God. Of course, the church belongs to Jesus. I mean, even Muslims will tell you that. Yeah, Christianity belongs to Christ. Okay, gotcha. Uh, family, think about this. How does the devil, how does the devil control nations? He doesn't get them born again. He can't. What he's doing is he's working on their heads. The number one power of the devil in the book of Revelations isn't homosexuality, it isn't Islam, and it isn't economic. It's the power to deceive rulers. He goes forth to deceive. He adapts the deception brilliantly to whatever the cultural bias is. So he doesn't care which lie hooks you so long as it's not the truth. I mean, he's not really pushing same-sex marriage right now in Cairo. He's pushing the Muslim Brotherhood in Cairo. Why? Because he's brilliant. I'll tell you one thing, the devil, if nothing else, he's at least competent at what he does. He adapts the truth to the environment, or he adapts a lie in such a way to the environment that it perfectly gets sinks, sinks in and becomes a belief system that's contrary to the truth. So your family, so basically these are gateways, gateways. I'm saying that there's, I believe that there's a religious spirit that'll try to block you from the anointing. That's your battle, a religious spirit, because it's the most intelligent disguise the devil can use. It looks like Jesus, sounds like Jesus, even quotes the Bible, but it's not him. Or it's him in the dimension, and he's moved on, but it's not moving with him. So you got family? Come on, you got family. You got the, I'll put a pitchfork here so you can see this. You got, so you got families, you got all kinds of iniquities coming down, the sins of the fathers, etc. fragmented families. You got education, you got all kinds of intellectual unbelief, kind of bullying. You got 70% of, uh, of the American institutional professions are dominated by people on the extreme left who only represent 8% of the population. How can 70% of the academics be in the 8%? Because the devil knows where to plant a garrison. You got government? Of course you got government. Anywhere in the world where there's a government because they're the ones that make the laws that control what you do. So you're gonna have a Philistine garrison there and media. Powerful thing, why? Because media is the vehicle for truth telling and whoever controls it can distort the truth. Then artists, what are artists? They're not the media for truth-telling, they're the media for entertainment. And so consequently, whether it's athletics, or whether it's music, or whether it's Academy Awards, the arts is shaping the dialogue of the culture. And then finally, you got whoever controls the money. And, then, and so you have the business over here, and the economics and the banking. Those are the seven spheres that shape and disciple every city on the earth. So... If those are where the gates are, and Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail, what happens if you're only occupying one gate? You can't complain. If you only close one window, and there's a whole swarm of mosquitoes coming, and you leave six of them open, what are you, are you swatting mosquitoes saying, it's the last days? No, it was the last window you didn't close. So now here's the other thing that's crazy. 3% of the population are the gatekeepers. This, and I'm not even giving you guys like uh, charismatic theology. This is sociology. 3% of the population controls 97%. By the way, 3% of the clergy are full-time ministry. 97% are not in the full-time ministry. Meaning the 3% are over here. The rest of you are somewhere over there. So 3% of the gatekeepers, 3% of the population means that if I was strategic... What you've got is, you've got the enemy garrison, of course, it's at the top of the hill. 
the narrow place that controls the rest of the traffic. This is, this is so important. At VFN Kingdom Business, we talk about it all the time, as you're seeing right here on your screen, the VFN Kingdom Business. Uh, there you go. VFN Kingdom Business. This is what we're all about. This is what we're doing, and we want to be able to impact our culture. We're going to have to be active in what we're doing. As a matter of fact, I want to be able to talk to you more about this. When we're looking at, uh, we're looking at uh, the kingdom business, uh, you can go to vfnkb.org, and when you see vfnkb.org, you can see what we're talking about here. It's exactly you know, what Lance Wall knew and so many others have been talking about. And I want to tell you some ways that you can connect. It's time for us. I mean, the work has just begun. God has shifted this nation. It's been merciful what he's done. But we're going to have to be activated like he's talking about. And one way to get connected is you go to vfnkb.org. And you can see right here, there's like three different ways you can connect. You can connect through prayer. You can connect through prayer. You can connect by volunteering. You can connect financially. And it's so important. Do you know this? Uh, over 4,600, approximately 4,680 hours of prayer went up in 2016 through VFN. Think about that. You got to be able to pray and seek God, but also then we got to be activated and, and get involved. That's where you actually become a partner and you, you get involved and you become a volunteer that you can volunteer, be a part of VFN KB. So through prayer, through volunteering financially, and when, there's two levels of partnership. The first level of partnership is your partnership for any amount whatsoever on a monthly basis. And what you get with that, as you can see right here on your screen, you get, uh, we have teachings available for you. These prophetic teachings, just like he's talking about. Green room, where we're actually seeing green room things that are happening just for our partners. Some special recording specials available for you. Dealing with these specific uh, things that we're talking about now. The torch newsletter that goes out to you on a regular basis through your email. And you get an invitation to all the, mount, the mountains that are, mountain meetings that are taking place. We're focusing on each of these particular mountains, seven spheres of culture. And there's a second level of partnership. And that second level of partnership, as you can see on your screen, is for $25 or more a month. And you, you get everything you get with the first level. But you, then you get access to all of the, the mountain information that we have available just for our VF and KB partners. As you can see right here, Groundworks is part of that. You first got to have a Groundworks that's taking place in you know, mountain has to be stable on that. And you're seeing some of the things that are available there. Think about this, you know, the plan, how to have a kingdom business plan, value-based vision management, taking your seven mountains, how to shape your culture, the big picture, all these news articles. Next mountain is the church mountain or the religious mountain. You think about that, that the, the church mountain is so important for us to understand that we go into that mountain and then we come out of it and apply the things that we learned in there. And some of the things you're thinking about, we have articles and news and programs available that educate you just on that. Awakening healing on the Gulf Coast, events such as that, prophetic words and visions, vine seminars, how to begin to be the vine that we're called to be as a church, abiding, how to disciple this generation. There's a family mount. When you think about the family mount, look at the state of the family and what's taking place right now. Well, we got to do something about that. We get empowered to be able to do that. When you think about the family mountain, we have Available for those VFNKB partners. We have information on the state of the family, mountains, news, article, news articles, information, education, and programs specifically for that. Love and respect seminars are for building marriage. Next up, outbacks are for building family. We have the education mountain. You know, all these mountains, we're actually focused on this. We have education materials, uh, news information, uh, programs available for you, an interview with superintendents, building vital relationships with educators and community, impacting school culture, holding education leadership accountable, 
homeschool movement. Now, this is so important. You know, they outlawed homeschooling in, in Russia, and the first thing they're going to try to do is try to stop this kind of thing, so we've got to be able to stand up for that. We have the business mountain. That's some of the things that Lance is talking about right there. I'm going to take a look at the business mountain. We have, you know, motivational, inspirational material for you, how to train you to train others. Uh, what if you could pre play your future, things like this to motivate you, to encourage you, news articles, information specifically about your business and how to build vital relationships to cross-pollinate with other businesses out there. Your business will become powerful when you begin to see the other business people in your community. You can work together. And finally, the government mountain is so important. We need new government. And when you look at the government mountain, some of the things that are available for our VFNKB partners is establish uh, and position yourself to be able to make a difference, like for Lieutenant General uh, Jerry Boykin, the foundations of freedom for our nation. We have series on that, the faith for our nation, you know, the government mountain news, information, education, programs just for that, building vital relationships between law enforcement and community, and educating value-based vision management, and so much more. We have the arts and entertainment mountain that's there, you know, dramas, art, creative new, clean entertainment, creating free environments for a creative culture, and finally, the media mountain, which you're seeing us do right now through media and television, news programs, uh, Vine Fellowship Network. Uh, we have the VFNI internship program and civil Christianity, where we can actually get together and organize and become a part. You're seeing civil Christianity right now. We can become a part, sign that pledge. All these areas are moving simultaneously at the very same time. You just click right there, said, I'll sign that thing. And get, this is what you see. It's this pledge, the very same pledge that Dr. King had his people sign as they were walking together because we had to be unified and moving in the same vision. You get that at vfnkb.org. It's time to join the movement. We're actually, you know, uh, we are um, in the essentials. The whole thing is your kingdom come. Your kingdom come is our focus. But in the essentials, you know, in, in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty, but in all things love. We need you to join the movement. So let's go back and join Lance Wall new now as he's talking about how we got to get activated in this culture and shift it. So if I was going to be strategic in the new model, in the old model, what we would have to do is, of course, the first thing you got to do is you got to establish a beachhead. So you go into China, you got to have the house church. Then maybe you have like these other, now they're getting the uh, buildings, the three self-church actually has guys that are actually filled with the Spirit preaching the gospel. So what you do is you start getting churches planted. Why? Because this church planting, I'm going to use the green for the first time to, uh, to, uh, to make this point. There's the green. The church opens up the atmosphere in the heavens through intercession, prayer, presence, and worship so that all these areas are potentially exposed to attack by the kingdom of God. The only problem is God actually needs soldiers to go there. If prayer and prophecy could do it, we already would have had an awakening. But by the way, it would have been the wrong time for an awakening. Because if God had answered our prayers for an awakening before we had this paradigm, you know what we would have done? We would have put it all in this mountain. Come on, you know I'm telling you the truth. We would have taken the wealth of the wicked, laid it up for the just. And what would we have done? Christian TV, Christian preachers, Christian books, Christian puppets, Christian turkey, Christian books. We would have taken all that transfer and beefed up the one thing we know we're called to do, church. And church, by the way, is salvation and, and every activity that you got. 
Is there anything wrong with church? No, this is the beachhead. But obviously the point of a beachhead. Can you imagine camping at Normandy? Stupid move. I mean, once you take Normandy, you start moving inland. Well, we've got Normandy. Praise Jesus. Okay, start right there. Stop right there. We'll wear them out. We'll fatigue them with words of knowledge and prophecy. Those Nazis won't know what hit them. 24-7, sit right here and soak. Soak till they're broke. Doesn't work that way. So, you got this potential atmosphere. Now what you got to do is you have to start to raise up believers who recognize, remember the prophetic? The prophetic gives you your assignment in the body of Christ. I'll put an envelope there. You know what the problem is? The assignment isn't defined by what you do right now here. This is where you get equipped to do your assignment. So that means your assignment's out there and not here. So when I said earlier about the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because it's anointed me, for years I was looking, so I was on Randy Clark's board, Bill Johnson, I'm working with this, and I'm loving the extroverted signs. I want to see words of knowledge at the mall, get people saved and see, and see manifestations of healing. And I'm trying to do prophecies and words of knowledge to get people saved and see manifestations of revival. And I'm realizing my whole history was having the supernatural show up to unlock those systems over there. And I'm chasing evangelist signs and wonders when actually as a prophetic David, I'm called to go in and invade the system. The overt, just follow this for a second. The overt preacher is the one whose Jesus loves you batteries, and there's a place for that. Telling them all about Jesus. There's, I do that. Everywhere I go. I mean, it's weird. I go to Jakarta. I got Muslims talking to me. They say, we know all about your seven mountains. We saw you on YouTube. <laughs> you still want me here? Well, we, you know, we also know that you do pretty good business. So, okay. But here's the point. I'm really a lousy example of a covert, but somehow it's so ironic it still works. I remember one time I was in L.A. I was in L.A. I was speaking at the Anaheim Convention, and I'll never forget how embarrassing this was because they had, it was a, it was a network marketing company that did like $100 million a year, and they brought me in, and there was some dis disagreement with some of the people who were Mormons on the board because they had already gone on YouTube, and they found out that as a motivational speaker, I might be talking about Jesus, but they thought they, one guy heard me in a secular setting. I sounded so great, he never bothered to do any research on my religious background. And he had to defend me because they didn't want me to come into this organization because I might start to preach Jesus. And in fact, I didn't want to preach Jesus. I just wanted to give him a motivational talk. But they called me up and said, we want to make sure you're not going to get religious on us. And it was, I felt, I felt this person, I felt this frustration. It's like, oh man, it feels so weird. I don't have to come speak. No, no, no. I defended you. I told them, watch, it'll be fine. That means half, that means the Sanhedrin is going to be watching me to see if I evangelize. And frankly, it's easier to come to people like you and talk than it is to go to a bunch of people that don't know Jesus and figure out how to do this thing. So I brought my wife with me, which is what I do when I need confidence. <laughs> and it's the tuxedo formal. And they move me from speaking for the opening session of the conference to the last session because I would have marginal damage in the last session. And I felt this attack from the devil, this, this sense of de depreciated value. And that was a bad day. And so my wife says, put your, get, put, you know, put your, put your uh, tuxedo on and go down for the dinner. They're looking for you. I go, uh, yeah, they don't even want me here. Uh, they, I'm, I'm here because the, one of the guys on the board has me. She goes, no, they love you. They, they want you here. You have to deal with this spirit that's talking to you right now. You go down there into that dinner like you own the place. All right, so she said, I'm going to break that thing off of you. I got a good Holy Ghost wife. 
So I go, oh, all right. I put my suit on, but I did. I delayed like an hour. So everybody's already getting ready to sit. And, you know, I just want to get in. And, and so I'm standing. I love this. I'm standing there in the corners and kind of hiding out. Uh, people come up to me. And one of the top executives of the company comes up to me. He goes, is that you, Lance Wall now, right? And he's got this guy right in his arm. He goes, is that? I said, yes, sir. It's me. Fantastic. I want you to meet somebody. He's brand new on our network. He's opening up the entire Australia division for us. This guy is hot. I'm, t- I'm telling you, he's opened up Australia. And the guy, and he evidently knows you. So this is the owner, one of the owners of the company. Right? I go, oh, I'm trying to figure out because like, I'm praying in the spirit. I'm just doing what God tells me to do. I'm trying to figure out this weird realm I'm in. Like the backlash, it's a little weird. Like they're telling me, don't follow Jesus. Like, oh, come on. So the guy goes, hey, mate. You know how come I'm involved with this company? I'll tell you why. Because I've been listening to your tapes. And I was listening over here to doing business supernaturally. And I was down there with Heidi Baker and I wanted to make a big offering to her orphanage. And I didn't have any money. And the Lord says, you better listen to Lance Warren now doing business supernaturally. I started listening to you and I'll tell you what. I started practicing what you did. Walking around like Mr. McGill and praying in tongues. And I'm, and there's the corporate guys going, isn't that good, Lance? Isn't that good? Because there's, they want this guy to be happy. It's like all of a sudden, that's good. Whatever that Magoo tongue thing is, he likes you. And you like him and you're connected. And he goes, so I just want to tell you, they made a brilliant decision when they invited you to come here. I decided I'm joining that company because you're going to be here. And the guy's making millions of dollars for the company. And so I'm like going... I don't get it, but the you know, Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge me, and I will direct your paths. So what I'm saying, I'm not talking about denying faith. I'm talking about we don't have to feel obligated all the time to go in with the, with the, with the you know, God, you know, almighty wind. So. Three <laughs> percent are the gatekeepers. Three percent control the top of the systems over here. So what does that mean for you? That means that in this particular move of God that I'm observing, What's happening is the body of Christ, you see, the body of Christ, the church is here, but the church is supposed to be a church planting movement. It used to be that we would plant geographically, which means that we would go into Brazil, we'd go into Mexico, we'd go into Beijing, and so you guys have done that. But what's happened is the world has gotten so interconnected that pretty much everywhere you go, there's a church, and there's more than one competing with each other not even getting along with each other. So you go to this one, you might as well know you're not going to invite it to that one because that one doesn't like this one, so pick which one you start with. Truth of the matter is, we got to move from geography to systems. We got to be like Neo in the Matrix. We got to go into the agent and stop running from him. Into the system. Why? Because Jesus, was, Jesus said the Great Commission is go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world. We thought all the world was geography to evangelize. Maybe he was saying go into all the systems. Why? Because if you're called as an evangelist, go preach. But if you're called to go invade a system, don't feel obligated to do the work of an evangelist like Timothy. Do the work of a Daniel. Do something so that Pharaoh gets discipled by you. Here's a crazy thought. I know it's crazy, but think about this. I'm thinking about Nebuchadnezzar with Daniel. I'm thinking about Pharaoh with Joseph. And here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that if God doesn't convert the kings of the earth. He might have some, and I believe it's more than you think, 
who are actually facing impossible problems that they can't solve, and what they really need, you think it's for them to get born again, but my suggestion to you is this. What they really need is for you to come into their sphere. Sheep, Jesus said, in the midst of wolves. Go to the wolves. I send you to wolves. That means we're going to go to the... Paul's got to preach to Nero. We got to go to the wolves at the top of the system. But here's the interesting thing. If you're, if you're in the marketplace, then the way that you go is you go as a supernatural problem solver who has a remarkable track record of getting results no one else can get. Because they're not going to call for an evangelist. They don't know they need to get saved, frankly. They don't know they need the gospel. They do, but they don't know that. What are they looking for? They're looking for psychics and whoever else can give them a, a piece or whatever belief system can help them solve the problem they got. Now, God put them into their position. This will burn your mind. God puts them into position. Then they have problems they can't solve until the right Jew shows up. Now Joseph pops up. Now, Dan now Daniel pops up. And what does that mean? That means that God gives you the ability to solve the problem no one else can solve because to demonstrate the, the message. Listen to this. When we pray thy kingdom come, how you define thy kingdom is how big a tank you're swimming in. Because if you define the kingdom as get them saved, build a spirit in the local church, that's what my thinking was for 20 years. Then I realized I want them to end up there. But every time I start the conversation evangelizing, for some reason the door closes. Duh! How about this? In the overt preaching of the Word of God, we declare Christ and demonstrate Christ in order to make disciples of people. In the covert, that's the distinction. We teach, we don't preach. And we create success so that the climate is conducive to the evangelizing that follows after we've established our credibility as experts. Think of the difference. You go to the best neurosurgeon, you go to the best uh, doctor, you go to the best whoever it is, and while you're there, they already know that you, they're paying you to help them solve a problem. They solve it. And then you notice the Bible, or then you notice the picture of the pastor, and, you, and then they ask you a question. A perfect scenario for sharing your faith because they're already sold on the credibility of you. So did Pharaoh ask Joseph anything about who his father was until he interpreted the dream? All he was was prisoner number 101 in the prison. But the moment that Jew came out and interpreted the dream for Pharaoh, Pharaoh goes, tell me about your father. You got any brothers? Are they like you? Because he's thinking, man, I, you know, one of what, what you is as good. You got any, anybody else like you? Nobody's interested in your belief system until you produce results nobody else makes. But the Spirit of the Lord is upon you to demonstrate the power of the kingdom that is coming. You are the evidence of the age to come. We that have tasted the power of the age to come reach into the future and bring it into the present to make a manifestation of God in the earth. That means that you are able to operate in the supernatural, move into territory. What is the kingdom then? I suggest to you, I, I was in bed one night, and this happens to me, I get like a lot of insomnia. I think it's from hanging out with Mark Sharon. It's like a, it's like a transferable thing. Hey, man, I can't get to sleep. You know something? Ever since I start talking to you, I can't get to sleep either. Maybe it's because you're calling me at 3 a.m. 
Anyway, so I'm sitting up. I have a problem getting to sleep, and I, the time zones. I travel a lot. So I'll put on, I think this night I had a channel on. I don't know what I fell asleep watching. All I know is TBN came on. Now, how do I know TBN came on? Because I have a funny spirit. My spirit is like a reticular activator. Anything that has to do with my assignment, because I pray in tongues a lot. Uh, the Bible says either praise an unknown tongue, edifies himself. Well, I believe that when you pray in an unknown tongue, you build an edifice to house the anointing that you're missing. When you pray in an unknown tongue, you build an edifice to house the revelation that you lack. Put it together. The only reason why people fail ever is because Jesus said, therefore do you fail. Why? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. The only reason why we ever fail is in an adequate revelation or an inadequate anointing for that situation. When you pray in tongues, it's the great equalizer. It gives you the anointing and the revelation you lack. Or it gives you access to the person that has it. So my spirit picks up truth like a, like a, like a no pest fly strip picks up flies. It's like, if it's near it, I'll grab it. And I'll make it serve the revelation I've got. So it's like, that's why I got all this stuff. So I'm sitting there at night, and I'm trying. I finally fall asleep. But I make a mistake. A guy's preaching. And when a preacher comes on, it's Creflo Dollar. Creflo Dollar is talking. I don't always listen to Creflo, but I love all the ministers out there. I listen to them all. But I was asleep, and I hear this. Now, I heard a lot of definitions about the kingdom of God, and there's all kinds of ones that different people have, and, you know, the, you know, the, the, the reign of Christ over all, you know, and all this theological. He said, I'll tell you what, I asked the Lord, give me a definition of the kingdom, because it's about seeking first the kingdom. I got to know what it is. Simple. I said, here's what God gave me. The kingdom, and I'm asleep, and I hear this. The kingdom is simply God's way of doing things. God's way of doing things. That means that there is a kingdom revelation for every situation on planet Earth because there's a word that covers every scenario. You could say the kingdom of God is the word of God and the will of God manifesting the way of God in planet Earth. But all he said was God's way of doing things. And I thought right away, God's way of doing business won't put you in debt as a nation. God's way of doing family won't have a breakup and infidelity. God's way of doing education won't teach the kid to become an unbeliever in order to have an intellect. God's way of doing government won't swallow up everything else in its, in its own to sustain itself. God's way of doing media is truth-telling. Then I started thinking, wait, wait, wait. We're called to demonstrate the power of the age to come. What is the characteristic of the age to come? Blessing and honor and glory and power and wisdom and riches and strength. Blessing honor and glory. But I realize that each one of those is a manifestation of the kingdom over one of those realms. So it, it's, it's blessing and honor and glory and power that each realm is capable of revealing the blessing of the kingdom if the right ecclesia or leadership is making decisions at the gates. What kind of leaders should be at the gates? Leaders that are called to rule over their kingdom in that area meaning they're called to government like Michael Kratz, the senator who was raised from the dead I was talking about in another message. Here's the, here's the thought. What if you have an anointing, a cluster of gifts that is meant to take territory outside of here and that being connected to here, this becomes the apostolic hub of a new apostolic missionary movement? What if those seven spheres are really seven mountains, seven mind control areas that the enemy uses to control culture? What if it's seven mission fields? What if media is a mission field? What if the artist is a mission field? What if economics is a mission field? What if education is a mission field? 
What if collectively those seven spheres shape the minds and disciple nations, and you're called to teach nations to make disciples? So, so a covert believer is someone that gets an anointed strategy, meets with other people prophetically, sets themselves apart and is sanctified to take territory, get as high up they can to become an ecclesia that intercepts the will of God, blocks the will of the devil, and manifests the kingdom and God's way of doing things in that system. And if you're getting results, kings look good. This is what I found out. When the king's realm is prospering, when a ruler's realm is prospering, and you're the consultant that made them look good, they don't have a problem with your religion. They'll even say, the God of Daniel is the one that we're decreeing is the God that, you know. Uh, yeah. But no man henceforth come against the God of the Hebrews, but have them make petitions and prayers for the success of the king every day. Because it's in their enlightened self-interest to have these, uh, these people in their kingdom. Like Dennis Balcom said, it's a very powerful thought. And I told these guys, the Communist Party guys, I said, you know what? Christians make the best communists. It sounds crazy. But think of it. They're not going to foment revolt. They're not going to stab you in the back. They're not going to... Your problem with corruption is you don't have any Christians in the, in the Communist Party. If you had Christians, they would be stealing. It's like, huh, that's a different thought. But that's a different kind of Christian. What kind of Christian is that? Here's where I am. What kind of Christian is that? It's the kind of Christian that is a laid-down lover of Jesus as revival, 24-7, devotionally, worship and prayer, intimate as the atmosphere we have here. You know why? Because David's tabernacle is, is an environment that is pregnant with the intimacy of throne room worship. So I'm not saying that's not part of it. That's essential. The problem is that we have to figure out how to weave that element of worship, intimacy, and bridal devotion in with the taking out of the garrison of the Philistines, which is the assignment that Saul had, that he failed, which was the assignment that David had, which he did very good at, which is taking the devils out, dealing with the demons that are occupying influencing positions so that people can be brought under the influence of the gospel. That means we need warriors. So we have to have worshiping lovers of God who are also warriors. And that creates a little bit of a confusion because some people are culture warriors or the intimacy people, but very seldom do you have a blend of a bride in special forces. <laughs> but then you add the third anointing, the third, because it's prophet, priest, and king is in this David mix. If you add the third anointing, it's the anointing of a ruler or a king. And kings have dominions. And quite frankly, we're, very, we're, we're still novices at this, but when you're working with a government guy, there are certain times I don't want to be in the photo, and I don't want them photographed with me laying hands on them and them falling down because it could kill their campaign. And there's some very dense Christians that love to exploit connections with celebrities, CEOs, and politicians because it makes them look like they got something. The fact is that they were really smart, they'd be hidden. Because the goal is getting the client to succeed, not, not for you to succeed by basking in the reflective glow of the fact that they listen to you. So what I'm saying is kings have to know which battle to get into when it's useful and necessary for them to take a position for the kingdom and when it's not necessary because that's how come they're kings. They are administrating an agenda of truth or principles and values and they can't always be confused with theology. Make sense? Trust me, there's a, there's a depth to this thing that, is, that it, it, it works. 
The king has to take territory. So they have to run the business, and they have to do it right where they've got suspicious people around them watching for them to trip up and make one statement that could be exploited by media. So they have to be wise. The prophet is the warrior, and they're engaged with taking on the enemy. The uh, lover is the devoted bride. But I say if you mingle together the bridal anointing with revival, with the prophetic anointing of the intercessory warrior, with the kingly anointing of the person who knows how to dominate culture and territory, you put those three together, you have a new species of sheep. You now have a killer sheep. And that's what David was. David was no ordinary sheep. He was dangerous because he was devoted to God. The Psalms is all this whole melodramatic therapy. He has worshiping God and writing down you know, his, his, his lament. Then he's there killing Philistines, so much so that when it's time for him to build a house, God says, look, I know I called you to kill Philistines, but you did it with such zeal, Ugh, a little too much. So you're a bloody man. And he expanded the empire. I believe the, uh, the numbers are eight, 100 times larger than the administration of Saul was the amount of territory he took in his administration, which means he balanced the kingly, prophetic, and worshiper and the alchemy of a David. And it's the tabernacle of David God wants on the top of those mountains. That's, and we need killer sheep in those tabernacles. And we can have gatherings with worshipers and minstrels and intercession of a unique quality when you gather the right gatekeepers together that are taking Hollywood. Now we're doing it smart rather than having one lone artist trying to stay sanctified while they climb up the mountain by themselves. This is so exciting. We are doing, that's what we've been preparing, yes. so we're, we're being doing, we've been doing. You can join the movement. It's VFN Kingdom Business. You go to vfnkb.org. This is how we're focusing yes. on shifting our culture in these seven spheres. I want to pray right now. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity, God. We thank you right now. People are being inspired in the business room, in the education room. The teachers that have been felt like they've been left alone, not anymore. God, vital relationships are going to be built. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for the government officials, Father God. They're going to stand and unite, God, and they, the churches that are going to unify, Father God. And we just thank you for every, arts, entertainment, media, everything that you're doing, and the interns, and the, the new television stations, and radio stations, and, and media, and drama. God, we thank you for all of it, God. We thank you now, Lord God. Even now, God, touch their heart to say, I want to be a part of what you're doing this movement in Jesus' name. God bless. You've just been listening to the highlights from VFN TV and the Data Radio program, where we're keeping the conversation light. Listen or watch more programs and check out the VFN Torch at VFNTV.com. Don't forget about our VFN TV app, where no matter where you are, you can take the light with you and share with your friends. We want to thank our sponsors and partners who make this program possible. Take the time and support our sponsors. You can locate them at vfntv.com and select sponsors. If you'd like to become a sponsor or a partner, you can do so at vfntv.com. VFN TV and the Daily Radio Program, where we're keeping the conversation light.